CB Shock and Jazz. All you racing fans, stand up, clap your feet. I mean, clap your heads. <laughs> Welcome to the Goat Rodeo. edition of the goat rodeo my name's jeff gilder and i'll see if i can guide you through this thing tonight hope everybody's fine it's been a while since we've been here but we're back they said we would be it was true here we are we're living proof um i'm gonna turn this over to the fellas out in the booth and let them say howdy to you while i get the stream set up on a couple more pages so hey coastal jack take it away buddy all right, man, I'm glad to be back in the studio. It's been a long dry spell. It's almost like the off-season in NASCAR or something. <laughs> I mean, good gosh, it's been a while. But anyway, I'm happy to be back here tonight and uh, got a Carolina Race Place historic race finish coming up a little bit later. So what's up, Bobby? Well, there's a lot has gone on since we've been uh, absent. Uh, the NASCAR season has, has ended, uh, the big uh, Myrtle Beach race has come and gone uh the snowball derby there's um the the bell and bell season has has ended and has our own banquet so yep quite a lot of uh, a lot of news in the off season lots of lots of stuff to to digest the end of the nascar season the end of the bell and bell season uh, I guess has Myrtle Beach ended, Jack? Oh yeah, that, yeah their yeah, yeah, season yeah. is over with. Also, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so now we have to d- digest all of the the comings and goings of all of the teams and drivers and sponsors and retirees and looks like we got quite a few this year to to to, to mull over and see what's uh, what's on the horizon for next year. Jack, did you watch the NASCAR banquet? I did not. <laughs> that makes three of us. I, I mean, years ago, I used to watch it and wait and wait for it to come on. Oh, yeah. Have In the, the last four or five years, I haven't even watched it. Have the VCR set and record yeah. all of it. I remember doing I mean, that. You know, that's when guys like Tim Richmond would come on out after having several beers and you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, I used to watch it religiously there. In the, it would be on a Friday night, yep. early December like it was. Th- but this time it was a Thursday night, which is kind of, a, I guess, I, I guess kind of an offbeat night in a way. But um, Thursday night. But this year, I, I didn't watch it, but you couldn't help but this was all over social media everywhere was the great ring presentation. 
<laughs> by BZF to Martin Truex. Did you see that? I'm sure you've seen and read the recounts. I've, of yeah, I've seen part of that. I didn't. I didn't see it the first or second time or the fiftieth time, but uh, it sounded like from some of the the recounts that I've had of it that it was just a here's your ring, and walk away. <laughs> That's pretty much what it. I mean, I didn't see it either, but just you know, reading the the accounts of it. That's um, um, read one grassy no theory that that was all part of the master plan. That it that it kind of drew attention off of what might be obvious onto uh, BZ, but that, that might be a, giving him a bit more uh, yeah. more credit uh, than he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but as hard as they worked all year to make sure that he won it and doesn't you know why not a little more hoopla i i don't know i th i think it was phenomenal that he won it i don't like toyotas but i think you know when you're running a race team out of denver colorado and win the championship with even with, if you even if you had some help that's still with something. The, somebody else's engine yeah of uh, course uh, the, yeah and somebody else and a rent at pit crew yeah, yeah, and a, a rent yeah. crew, yeah. and and he sort of some of that that crew was obviously under the auspices of Joe Gibbs. Yep, who, I think this year you, you know, when he was with Chevrolet, it was out of uh, Richard Childress's uh, shop. But apparently, there's a lot of that that goes on. You know, you just don't hear about. Yeah, the the or was it Michael Waltrip's uh, shop that he had the crew from last year or the year before? One of those two. Yeah, and somebody had a crew yeah. for Michael Waltrip because they yeah. Michael Waltrip ended up with a a, a folded team, yeah. so he had a, a over the wall crew for rent. But you know, NASCAR is pretty big business. Whether we like some of the stuff that goes on track or not, I mean, it's a it's a business. It is that, and and it has many 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 moving parts. Yeah. When you when you think about what they put on uh, almost on a weekly basis and do it all over the United States uh, to put on a basketball or a football game yeah. is a pretty big operation but to put on something with as many moving pieces as a NASCAR race uh, that's phenomenal that ta that takes a lot of practice a lot of effort and a lot of coordination that that the John Q public never sees never yeah. thinks about oh yeah yeah, it's it's a lot different putting on a uh, basketball game or a football game that's a hundred yard field yeah. compared to a two point three three mile racetrack or plus, two point six six. Plus the fact that you instead of having two teams, now you've got forty teams, mm. <laughs> and all it all the equipment that it takes to right. put a car on a track, much less forty cars on the right. track, and a lot of them, if you look. There's so so few fans around now. Sometimes they're they're parking those extra rigs on the infield, and you look and you see thirty or forty tractor trailers parked in the infield. And they're just nondescript. They're full of parts and and pieces and stuff that the that the teams haul with them from tracks, tracks, track. Uh, just spares, just stuff that they might need. It's kind of like Bell and Bell. Yeah, we haul all that stuff. We, we haul stuff, too. But, but we uh, might not. Yeah, all on an open trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff it all in the back of the race car and hope it doesn't blow out. <laughs> well, there, um, curiously, there was no um, mention one way or the other of Monster and their um, 
updating or re-upping or signing, uh, you know, extending the contract, however you want to. At the NASCAR banquet, that was sort of a curious, uh, conspicuous by its lack of of a, of a presence. So the, the theory was maybe Brian ran off the stage to kind of draw attention from the fact that <laughs> there wasn't they didn't have any, any announcement to make about the 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 re-up of their sponsor. Of course, a lot of the teams <laughs> apparently are having the same problem. The sponsors leaving or moving <coughs> or altering their sponsorship. Well, the, the reason you sponsor something is to reach people, right? To reach customers, potential customers, potential customers, and if. And if your customer, if, if the the base that's watching the race in person or on TV is going down, yep. you know it's worth less money. If your yeah, if your product is not selling, not improving in in sales, then uh, maybe you're spending your sponsorship dollars in the, in the wrong way. Yeah, I won't say wrong place, but maybe in just in the wrong way. The, that's always been a, a really big moving target when you when you stop to think about it, and with the the apparent fade of NASCAR's popularity, uh, it has to eat into the potential for uh, people who would buy the sponsor's product. That's uh, you know any wonder that the sponsorship dollars are waning. They uh, they. <coughs> NASCAR continually makes the argument that um, the TV viewing numbers are really um, irrelevant or, or kind of meaningless yeah. because um, one thing they they use is well everybody's numbers down you know not just ours but sports in general which you know which may be true and then the other part is well people get their information now more on um, various you know handhelds and social media and so on and so forth. Um, and th there's no denying that that's true. I mean, there's 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 a degree of truth there. That the people do watch through various other means, but the but the, there's no way to measure that or or somehow charge. For, I mean, th that doesn't help a potential. That doesn't help Monster Energy. The fact that you can explain why people ain't watching still doesn't move the needle. We want, you know, yeah, we we're, want sales. We want viewers. Yeah, we're paying you for people to watch. You know, it don't help us to you to explain why they ain't watching. You know, well, I, you know personally, I think Monster Energy has been soft pedaled all year. I mean, I, I don't think they're getting near the exposure they thought they were getting. You know, we, even watching the broadcast, they don't mention Monster Energy very much. Some of the newscasts that have racing call it the NASCAR Cup or the NASCAR Championship, not the Monster Energy. Right. Well, you know they um, they they made a, a a name and it maybe it was semantical, maybe they were looking down the road, but it's actually the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Exactly, which sort of opens the door that if if Monster's no longer there, we can just plug in yep. somebody else. Yeah, and it will still be the blah 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 NASCAR Cup Series. It's also too long. For yeah. broadcasters and people like that, they, it was hard for me to convert to the from NASCAR to the Winston Cup, but but after the light bulb finally came on, it finally sunk in that that's that's what it was. It actually came off the tongue better than than, than yeah. the old the NASCAR way of of putting their name out there, and. <laughs> 
everything that they did that Reynolds Tobacco Company did from day one until they got out of it was it was Winston Cup mm. and every racetrack had red and white checkered yeah. walls and the 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 outhouses were painted red and white <laughs> Um, in, in the in the early Winston era, they had sort of divided the season into three components. Remember that there was a, like a, it was a third, a third, and a third. Who was leading at such? Yeah. A, I don't know what the I don't remember what the prizes or if any was awarded. But they sort of had um, which that didn't last very long. But I remember uh, the the early version of Winston Cup was was a, they had these mid season uh, at least kind of mini series or something kind of like stage racing now except yeah. um but you know occasionally you still hear somebody refer to it as winston cup even today yeah and i hear more people refer to the the second series as the bush series as the bush series yes. I mean, yes. that, that has stuck very that stuck. well and i'm wondering um, and they're on their third title sponsor yeah, since that's then. That, exactly it's i'm wondering if, bush. It may, if it may become the bush series again have you noticed how much Bush Beer has advertised on the what is it Xfinity series this year, the, which kind of kind of makes makes me wonder if maybe uh, Anheuser Busch may not be coming back to the second series yeah. or something else. I don't yeah, know. Who knows? Yeah, I guess we'll just have to, yeah. like everybody else, we'll just have to sit on the sidelines and wait and see uh, what. Or if we have a title sponsor for for nineteen, yeah. Of course, this past weekend we had the fiftieth annual Snowball Derby down in Pensacola, Florida, which was a huge success. So when was Complete fifty years ago? Um, nineteen sixty-seven yeah, or sixty-eight? Was yeah, that the first one? Yeah, I think it was sixty-seven. I'm not positive, but uh, that was a sellout. And then you know there was a pay-per-view broadcast, and I have no idea what the numbers were there, but. Uh, it was worth them doing it for the third year, I think, in a row. So, obviously, uh, they're getting viewership. And that is not NASCAR No, that sanctioned. is not. Although, at one time, it was. The, uh, I think when NASCAR had it, uh, the uh, NASCAR, what, what did they call the All-Pro Series yeah, after NASCAR it bought it? All-American, yeah. I think. I think for a couple of years, the Snowball Derby was the uh, All-American, whatever, 200 at the time course today it is the uh, 300 300 laps on the half mile paved track how is that do they have a midpoint break or they make pit stops under green or how do they do they that green green flag stops uh they did have a rule if they went 75 laps without a caution flag they would throw a, a caution let them change tires or whatever but uh it was it was a pit crew I mean, so you it, had to it, have a pit crew you had to have a pit crew <laughs> and I think a lot of them rented uh, cup or uh, Xfinity pit crews. Really? For, oh yeah, that's big, big deal. Well, there. And, and Kyle Busch won, by the way. Did he? Um, he brought course. three cars down there. In so. the pit crew division, he was head and shoulders. Uh, his knowledge of what pit crews supposed to do and how to do it would be better than the rest of those guys. Uh, well, I, I suppose uh, I don't know because other guys could rent pit crews also and. Kyle Busch never led a lap to, I don't know, 18, 20 laps to go. Uh, Bubba Pollard was led for a lot uh, and some other guys. So. It, it was a pretty good race. 
yeah, that, that puts a whole other that, dynamic into yeah, it. Yeah, that race needs to be on everybody's bucket list. Luckily, I've been, I've been once and thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it was a couple of years ago that Chase Elliott was um, – they disqualified him for um, – Some weights. An exotic male. I'm trying to remember yeah, what tungsten, it was. Tungsten, yeah. 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 He had. He actually won the race, didn't he? Yep. Well, there's been several winners over the years been disqualified because they have a very strict uh, tech inspection after the race, mm. you know, with the, the winning cars. A winning car, and uh, it's pretty cool. Then they had excellent weather. Yeah, oh, beautiful weather. Yeah. Well, all right, let's do that Carolina race place historic. Oh, we, we can do it. And just so happens, since I didn't have a whole lot of time to put something together, I pulled out a snowball derby one. Oh, cool. So we actually did this one one time mm -hmm. before. But we're going to repeat it tonight. We're going to go back to 1974, Five Flag Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. At that time, it was a 200-lap late-model sportsman race. <coughs> Promoter Tom Dawson started the annual Snowball Derby, here's your answer, Bobby, in 1968. It has always been held in early December. Wayne Nidecken won the first Snowball, snowball Derby race in 1968. Over the next five years, the annual event was also won by Friday Hassler, Wayne Nidecken for a second time, Dickie Davis, Ed Howe, and Dickie Davis again. The 1970 Daytona 500 winner, Pete Hamilton, ended his six-year driving career at NASCAR's highest level in 1973. Hamilton moved to Atlanta area, opened a shop building late model sportsman cars. He also drove what he built in races around the southeast. He took one of his Chevelles to Pensacola in 1973 for the Snowball Derby and won the pole position. He was forced by officials to make changes to a suspension set up on his car just before the 73 race. The officials said it fell outside of the rules. He didn't run very well in the 1973 race, finished 35th, but vowed to be back for revenge in 1974. That brings us up to the December 8, 1974 event, which was held on a cold, cloudy Sunday. Totally different than this past weekend. Pete Hamilton again won the pole position in 1974 with a lap of 18.14 seconds around the half-mile paved oval. When the race started, Neil Bonnet, driving a car owned by Bobby Allison, took the lead. On lap eight, on the eighth lap, Pete Hamilton passed Bonnet to go to the number one spot. Hamilton drove away from the field until making a pit stop on lap 146. Dickie Davis took over the lead for the, on lap 41. On lap 187, Bobby Allison and Darrell Waltrip got together with both cars spinning out. When the race went back to green on lap 190, after a caution flag, Pete Hamilton again went to the lead and held it to the finish. Hamilton won $4,100 for the victory from the $15,500 purse. A couple of additional notes. In 1970, the 1974 race was Butch Lindley's first trip to the Snowball Derby. 
His crew chief on the number 116 that day was Mike Laughlin. One year later, in 1975, Mike Beam started working with Lindley at the 1975 race. Butch Lindley came back to the Snowball Derby seven more times before finally winning in 1984. I had a brief conversation with Butch Nelson, owner of the car driven by Dave Mater III in the 1974 race. He told me they started off good but had engine problems and ended up finishing 30th. He also said Pete Hamilton was in another zip code that day and outclassed the field. Pete Hamilton, winner of the 1970 Daytona 500 and the 1974 Snowball Derby, died on March 21st, 2017 at the age of 74. Okay, here's the way they finished at uh, Five Flag Speedway for the Snowball Derby which was a 200-lap race at the time, December the 8th, 1974. The winner driving number 25, Pete Hamilton, from Devon, Massachusetts, driving a 65 Chevelle, followed by Dickie Davis, Pensacola, Florida, Neil Bonnet, Hueytown, Alabama, Jody Rit Joe Richley, Richie, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Freddie Fryer, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Jackie Young, Elba, on Ontario, I guess. Uh, Bobby Allison, Hueytown, Alabama. Butch Lindley, Greenville, South Carolina. Darrell Waltrip, Owensboro, Kentucky. Coming in 10th, Sam Summers, Savannah, Georgia. C.L. Fisher, Dalton, Alabama. Luther Carter, Kennesaw, Georgia. Wayne Rudeman, Zypher Hills, Florida. Richard Orton, Hueytown, Alabama. Jerry Lottie, Lolly, Birmingham, Alabama, came in 15th. Tommy Martin, Bogalusa, Louisiana. Red Farmer, Hueytown, Alabama. Roy Milliken, Birmingham, Alabama. Bab Brand, Montgomery, Alabama, coming in 20th. Tiny Lund Cross, South Carolina. Hugh Richards, Mobile, Alabama. Bobby Foster, Moss Point, Mississippi. Ray Putman, Birmingham, Alabama. Skip Manning, Bookaloosa, Louisiana. Ronnie Sanders came in 25th. He's from Fayetteville, Georgia. Earl Hughes, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Cecil Jones, Mobile, Alabama. Charlie Skipper, Panama City, Florida. Tommy Howell, Pleasant Grove, Alabama. Dave Mater III, Hollywood, Alabama, came in 30th. Johnny Williams, Montgomery, Alabama. Frank McMorris, Dent. Denham Springs, Louisiana, Larry Hudson, Panama City, Florida, Wayne Nidecken, Pensacola, Florida, Ray Hanner, Unadilla, Georgia, and finishing in the 36th and final spot, Royce Johnson, Flora, Alabama. So that's the way they finished, 1974, December the 8th. A few familiar names and lot, lots of unfamiliar names that far back. Yep, well. Some you, of them came on to be big stars. And, yeah. and, and some of them just sort of faded out. Yeah. Of course, you listen to where they were from, and some of them were just locals. Yeah. Kind of like the, the, the Daytona crowd that, that showed up every year to try to make the Daytona race. And a few made it, and a lot of them well, they, practiced and qualified and went home. The Snowball Derby's always had a, a, a huge outpouring of entries. 
I mean, this year, I think they had 60-some entries, you know, to start 36 cars. And back in the day, so to speak, they had more than that. I think they had about 80, you know. So Have they have always started have just 36? I think they've always started 36. In the beginning, right wasn't, it, um, wasn't it more of a late model sportsman type yeah. of race? It's evolved into a super late model. Yeah, yes, um, yes. But in the back in the day, it was just regular. Yeah, um, or like we said earlier with the Grand American Series, it was you know those type cars for a couple of years. So. But I saw that picture today from 1969. It was just Chevelles and yep. you know just regular, regular late model type cars. Yeah. But that uh, that's always been a premier short track race in this country kind of reminds me of the way back in the early 50s that or mid 50s langhorn pennsylvania was to to racing you know that was a big race that was like the, the daytona race almost back then it's funny how a, a particular race will gain notoriety and and keep it for years and years and years i guess it's just at the right time right place well, when uh, you, when you the, do it right, when you do it right, of course, this is the right time of year to have something like the snowball derby. Yeah. The the you know the season's over. Everybody's uh, kind of wishing they had something to do. Unless, well, hey, here's here's a chance to go go run one more. Yeah, I mean, the the track's a half mile track. Got worn out pavement like Myrtle Beach here, actually. <laughs> Uh, is it a weekly track? Yes. Well, I, I don't know if they run every week, but, but it, it is, they um, run throughout the season. Right. Yep. It's, it's not a, just a... The Southern Super Series, I know, runs there. They have a couple races there. Uh, but, you know, the, the apparently the community in Pensacola supports the, the Speedway very well. I think they presented them this year with some kind of tour, tourism award and that kind of thing. So when, once you have the community behind you, yeah, that's a big help as opposed to a lot of other areas where they're trying to shut you down. Exactly. <laughs> that's there's almost I would say there is a direct relationship between community support and tracks that have been in operation a long yep. time. Yep. It's it's much more tough to start now. Oh, absolutely. And, and gain community Virtually support. Virtually impossible to start um, now because you know tracks like Pensacola and, and other long term tracks have been there so long. It's part of local culture. Yep. People. They just naturally gravitate because that's how the you know they were reared in the culture and yeah. so on, um, and that's almost impossible to attain anymore. That's yeah. um, uh, it's, it's sort of in this, in this environment. Yeah, it's it's really really like you said, almost impossible to to generate enough interest to start something like that. I mean, we we kind of forget about you know right here in South Carolina, we've got one track that's been around since. The beginning, just about Greenville Pickens Speedway. Yeah, I mean it's still it's still kicking. Yeah, um, and that's that is important. That's an important uh, an intangible that you, you can't get now. I mean, you yeah. just have to have it. You, yeah. you know. Um, well, but, Myrtle Beach has been in operation for a long, long time too. Since nineteen fifty eight. It's been it's been sort of through its own metamorphosis, yeah. but, but basically <clears throat> it's been in operation pretty much the whole time, hadn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It, that was a, few it was a couple of years they did not race. Back in the early seventies, I believe. And in the mid sixties, they was down. Yeah, that for might, about yeah. Um, three or four yeah, years. Yeah, you're right. Continuously, you're right. You're right, you're right. But um, but for the most part, they've um, they've been there since the late fifties. Yep. Um, that's a that's a lot to be said 
today, if a track has survived that long, uh, we we see a few of them and take them for granted. But when you see the number of tracks that have fallen by the wayside for what we think are just inconsequential little things, uh, it's it, it's a it's a real challenge to to make one a a regular event, especially on a weekly basis. I, that brings up the question of I don't know that weekly basis should even be a, a, an objective anymore on a, on a local track. Especially if, especially if there's another one anywhere in this close environment. by. Yeah, in this I, environment. I, I, I think that is, um, of course, we love the idea. Well, I mean, we're, yeah. you know, but as a, as a realistic statement, I don't know that that's attainable anymore on a. Uh, I'm sure that there's cases where it where it exists very well, but they are re- isolated yeah. and are um, rarities. Yeah. Um, it's it seems like a lot of the tracks now are going. They've they've got a couple big races a year, and that's where they make their money. Kind of like in the old days, they had a couple Grand Nationals a year, and that's where they made their money. money. And it subsidized everything so else. Subsidized yeah, the rest of the season. You, you make a good point, Jack. That um. In in that regard, nothing's really changed. I remember when I first went to Myrtle Beach as a kid in the early 60s, they were only doing about six, eight races a year. It was uh, maybe twice a month, uh, and they were all special events. Uh, And that model has sort of come back as the only one that, if it will work, that's the only one that's going to work. The weekly stuff is is really not going to. Uh, it, it's just not plausible anymore. Um, whatever you make one week, you lose it the next three. Yep. I mean, uh, is the reality. Uh, and and the thing, you know, the thing that's driving all this, and this is very tough, and and, and it's affecting a sinking tide lowers all ships. You know, is that the the culture, American culture, is changing. Right. Exactly. In in regard to its love of automobiles. Yep. Yeah, I I wonder what's going to happen fifteen years from now when all the cars are uh, self driving. Do they have self driving races? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Set up somebody sets up in the stands and controls with cars a laptop. On the <laughs> but you know we we've talked about this a lot, but it, it it's it, it's a it's a very real problem. Uh, is is kids today that they're not interested right. in cars? They don't associate with it, the automobile. Right. When we grew up. We we that was our our main thing. We we thought about cars twenty hours a day, and and you knew every make and model. And you knew Hell yeah. uh, you knew which uh, which driver drove which brand of car. You could you could almost identify them uh, hearing them come down the street, but you certainly could identify them as soon as you saw them. Oh yeah. And nowadays. You can't tell. Um, you can't. We can't tell, and today's kids don't care. Yeah, I'm. I'm just surprised nobody has started a uh, SUV series or something. They all, I saw they it. They all look the same. I was flipping through the channel Saturday night, and went through Mav TV, and they were having some kind of race. Uh, they were cars, and it started out on a paved. It was a closed course circuit. It was more like a road course. At some point around the track, it became dirt. <laughs> there was a dirt straightaway or a, a series of you know slaloms and jumps and mess. Was and it in the went, U.S. or was it somewhere else? 
Because yeah. in Australia and places um, like and that. And then it, it returned to pavement. I yeah. think it was some division of rally cross. But, it, I mean, it incorporated everything. It was jumps and, and all oh that kind of stuff <laughs> and pavement and dirt at the same time. Well, that, that's, uh, that, that's trying to pull these little kids in, the monster truck. Yep. It's kind of like kids. in the in the '90s that, that, that some of the tracks tried to generate interest in uh, their version of plate racing. Yep, and take these front wheel drive cars, take the rear wheels off of them. Yep, weld a plate under the rear axle and said, "Here, drive it." Yep. <laughs> they had them out at Myrtle Beach yep. a time yep. or two. Yep, it, I've watched it just enough of it to know how challenging that is. That's that sounds real real simple at at, at first blush. Just try it sometime. <laughs> Yeah, in in that whole general vein, um, over the last part of this season, uh, um, the Lakeview Carolina Speedway at Lakeview it had been closed for 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 this whole year, and it looked like, for all practical purposes, that it was she was not going to reopen. Uh, it, it it was kind of for sale, but that wasn't really going anywhere. There was a there was some occasional interest and you hear this and that but nothing was really going anywhere and very late in the year um they decided to host a race i, I think um, um part of that may have been driven by the fact that if, if you have uh, the credentials and the permits and so on to, to, to conduct races you have to have at least one a year to uh, to, to keep that uh, those permits in place i don't know that for a fact but that that could have been part of the reason but anyway the um lakeview had one uh, we might have discussed it here on the show over the labor day weekend and it went pretty good had a pretty good car count and fan count and everything and that led to a second race at uh in november which was actually the very it was the same day as the myrtle beach race and i didn't realize it. i kept thinking the whole time that uh that the Myrtle Beach 400 was going to be on Sunday because it used to be always on Sunday. Yeah, until they had a couple of rain outs, and they decided the best thing to do is have it on Saturday so they'd have that yeah. extra day. I figured that, that yeah. they went for the built-in rain date. Yeah. Uh, Plus it's over two weekends this, you know, in the last couple of years. But anyway, as, it, as everything turned out, the, the second Lakeview race was November the 18th, which is the exact same day, same time, same everything. As the Myrtle Beach race, and um, and we went the it wasn't a, an official bell and bell race. We it, we did have a vintage race, which was the same guys, you know, the same cars, and and we run there, and had they had a very had seventy race cars on hand wow. that night, which is in this era that is good for a you know a Saturday night race. Had a pretty good crowd in the in the stands. Um, the pits were absolutely full. The you know the race cars and the cars and trucks associated with all of them there was no room left in the infield so that that was excellent um and the the hope is after in the aftermath of, of those two kind of experiments that they're going to return next year to a monthly uh that nothing's been announced in it but that's that's the kind of the the, the understanding that's out there is running in conjunction with um, the Fayetteville Speedway, because now, does Fayetteville do that? I mean, do they run once a month, or Fayetteville typically runs 
on average about three times a month. Um, that there's always at least one vacant weekend. You know, maybe some months might have two, but but federal does not run continuously. Uh, and the as a matter of fact, the at the at the last Lakeview race, it was the federal speedway officiating crew that was doing everything at Lakeview. The, you know, the flagman, the announcer, the various people mm-hmm. were um, were the crew from federal. Uh, so the the understanding now is that they're going to run in conjunction. Uh, the, the times that federal don't run, which is about once a month, they will run at Lakeview, which is in the current scheme of things is extremely smart that is the smartest thing one can do um, yep. this old idea of head to head and I'll run you out of business <laughs> that those days simply, are simply. way over yeah, with Dillon runs on, on Saturday Myrtle yeah. Beach runs on a Saturday night and Lakeview yeah. is running on a Saturday Lakeview's night Lakeview's running on a Saturday Federal's running on a Saturday I mean <laughs> you know that, that, old, that ideology if it I don't know that it ever worked even back in the day that we like to think everything was great, right. tracks was coming and going by the you know oh, yeah. all the time back. In the, the the reason we didn't know that they didn't the slack never come out of the chain is because that one would always open, yeah. you know one would close and one would open, so there was never a net loss. Sometimes two would open, um, but now since the, the, the likelihood of tracks opening is like zero, <laughs> there ain't going to be many more racetracks ever built in the. They just it is uh-huh. going. It's kind of like golf courses. There ain't going to be many more built. Are there, Jeff? It's true. They just ain't, and there are not going to be many more racetracks. So we've kind of got what we got. Yeah. You better hold on to them. <laughs> and, and if if any you know the o- the only alternative is is just try to work together a symbiotic relationship and and that doesn't that precludes every single Saturday night right you know that's just a new that is a new reality at least in my opinion that's um, um and I, I I don't know that anything that that's really new thinking under the sun I uh, because we can go back and name many cases where tracks came and went and, yep. you know, and all that. Um, so the more things change, the more they, they stay the same. But hopefully it, I, it, it's going to take cooperation among, <coughs> among racetracks now to survive, if that is possible, uh, in, the new, in the new world order. And if, if they don't, they won't survive. There's, there's no way that it's – and the quicker they come to that realization – the, the better off everybody's going to be. The fans, the drivers, track owners, promoters, everybody. Yeah. You know, it, it came out, I think, since we've been gone, that, that Motor Mile Speedway in, in, uh, up in Virginia, they, they announced they're not renewing their NASCAR sanction. Um, <coughs> they didn't exactly say they wouldn't be doing something. They have uh, a drag strip. So they're gonna run but the they drag didn't strip. exactly say what they would. They said they'd, they might be doing concerts. They might yep. be doing flea markets. They might be doing fairs. They might be doing any number of things because they got this. Uh, look, I've never been there. It's like an excellent facility. I've never been to a race there. I did ride out there just to see what the track looked like one time. Radford, Virginia. Yeah, but they are um, – that's a case where you know that's not it ain't going to be a weekly nascar track at least next year so um um it's 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 tough to be a a a racing and in that case that kind of goes against the grain of what we were just saying earlier that track has been there a long time a very long time yep it was was actually the old pulaski speedway in the beginning it was dirt 
Uh, yep. So it's been there since probably maybe even the late 40s. Right. Uh, and to go this far and then kind of just. Have you ever heard Peanut Terman talk about practicing at the old Pulaski Speedway? That cows in the infield, <laughs> and 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 he and when it was dirt, he was out there and and he was trying a new engine or something. I can't remember what the story was, but he said he'd go like crazy till he got around to run the first lap, and he'd have to slow down because of his own dust. He couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the hazards of dirt track yeah. racing forever. It really used to be a real hazard. Yeah, but he so said there was cows in the infield. <laughs> I saw a piece on them, just on the – Dargan Watts put up something on Beach Ridge Speedway, and, and the name was familiar, but I didn't actually know where it was. Beach Ridge Motor Speedway uh, dates back to 1949. Where is it? It is in Maine. Yeah. It is in Maine. That's an unlikely – but it is it is still going strong. I mean, it's – you know, it's a, a rare occasion yep. that, um, that worked out good. So it started out as a dirt track. And so on, so so that you know, it's like everything. There's success stories here and there, but there, you know, you got to really work at it and, and be lucky at the same time to be a racing promoter. Now, that's a that's a tough job. What I hear music coming. I from hear somewhere. music coming from somewhere. Oh, Jeffrey's Jeff in there playing with his phone. Jeff's phone ringing. Ordering a pizza or something. <laughs> yeah, man. Is that Cody on the line? No. Uh, well, Jeff. You need to tell us about your trip. Um, took thirty six hours to get there and thirty to get back. Whoo! <laughs> and and was there for nine nights, nine day. Worked my butt off. Went out in the ninety five, ninety six, seven degree heat, ninety five percent humidity for four, five, six hours. Back to the hotel room, take a shower, take a nap, get up, go do some more. Every day. Work with the monkeys. Yeah, it was, but it was a really cool experience. It was um, very much like attending an Olympic type event for amateur golfers. Uh, it was held at four of the top golf courses in Malaysia. Malaysia has about two hundred courses. Um, beautiful, beautiful, phenomenal golf courses. It's Kuala Lumpur was a gorgeous, clean, organized city. Not anything like what I expected at all. Uh, people really nice. Love the food. What else you want to know? It was good, man. It's a great trip, great experience. Thirty-six. Do you fly across the Pacific Ocean? Is that the way? Yeah, you're we going? actually no. We uh, when we we left, it was thirty-six hours from the time I left here till I got to the hotel. So I left here, drove to Charleston, got on a plane, went to JFK, flew from JFK across the Atlantic up over Iceland, yep. Russia, down through uh, down through uh, China, and that way into uh, Guan, Guangzhou, China. Then uh, Guangzhou, China to Kuala Lumpur. And then uh, on the way back, Kuala Lumpur to Guangzhou, and then Guangzhou across the Pacific, up across the Aleutian Islands, Alaska, down through Canada, and that way. So I drove, I went completely around the world on those two flights. Pretty cool. But the longest leg was about 16 hours, about 13 coming back um, with layovers and all that kind of stuff, though. Long, long time. Thirteen hours difference there and here. So there it is um, um, going on uh, nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Yep. 
that so. messes with your head when you're talking about a different day. Uh, well, the, what, it didn't bother me so much except for when I left and when I flew out of JFK heading that way. It was at 12.45 a.m. when we got on the plane and headed toward Guangzhou, China for a 16-hour flight. It Within no time, I was totally confused. I had no idea what time it was, what day it was. I said, okay, I'm at everybody's mercy. Just So I just ate every, I flew business class. It was really nice. I ate everything they put in front of me for all those hours. And, <laughs> um, it, was, it was good. That was a great experience, man. Great experience. Shot a bunch of video. Took several thousand photos. And um, somebody took your picture... Uh, Messing with a monkey. Yeah, that was actually me. Oh. <laughs> I did a selfie with a monkey. Yep. Well, uh, you've done selfies with monkeys on this show. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah I have. Goats. <laughs> and goats. <laughs> yeah, not much difference, you know, monkeys and goats. But that's my story. I, 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 I've already created the video, and I posted it on Facebook. Anybody wants to see the highlights, highlights it's on my page. Um, but it's... Uh, it was a cool time. What was the weather like? Up? Not that beautiful. I mean, it was the chance of rain every day, and it rained a few times. But um, yeah, are they uh, equatorial there? Yeah, temperatures in the nineties, humidity really high. Um, but it was cool time, man. I I, uh, I had a lot of apprehension going over there. Uh, you know, for for. A, dumb hillbilly who's you know I, I didn't know what to expect going into a country that's not predominantly but about a half muslim you know a lot of to, uh, to most of the people there speak english enough to get by yeah most of them speak a little bit some of them speak pretty well and most of them speak enough to to uh, communicate with you that's good yeah most yep. of those countries like they speak more than one language and english is kind of becoming yep. a universal language yep. Well, and and dollars. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool thing too. I, you, we uh, spent uh, Malaysian ringgits, okay, and a ringgit was the exchange rate was like thirty eight to one. That's about like India used to be when I went. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you, but I could you could you get on that a monorail system went all the way through the city was you could go all over the city on that thing for pennies, mm. and then you could. We we got on the monorail, rode at Central Station, which was a seven-story mall that was phenomenal, and then uh, rode the train up to Batu Caves. All the way up there and all the way back cost me less than $10 on all those fares, you know. I mean, it was um, easy to get around. Mm. Bobby, y'all had the uh, Bell and Bell banquet this past weekend, didn't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, we did at uh, Mr. Have, Bell's Museum. Have, <laughs> um, Mr. Bell's Farm and Museum. Yeah. You have the uh, winners of the uh, Yeah, um, I think for the – Who who were the winners this year? The winners in, in, in the pro-modified class and, I, and basically never defeated ever since we started this class is Jeremy Cumby. He yeah. won that um, pretty uh, convincingly for the whatever year, fourth year in a row, I think I read somewhere. Um in the modified division, that's a lot a, a, a more competitive class. Uh, Wes Harrell, which is William Harrell's son, he won that by two points over wow. Jason Floyd. Two points. 
uh, in the um, in the sportsman class. You know, something, Jack, you might not know. Jim Wilmore has come out of retirement and is kicking butt now. I have seen that. I've <laughs> seen he some pictures. taking and names and kicking Driving one of butt. Pete's cars. Yes. Driving Pete's yes, second sir. car. He's driving like and, a And, and it a took, pro. Him, took him a race to, to practice in a race to, to get – to get the feel of the car, he struggled with it the first race, but he has been lighting them up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Jim. Yeah, so so Jim has come back. He he didn't win that division because he only raced about one time uh, in a in a bell and bell race. He raced twice at Lakeview, but uh, that class was won by uh, Mike Doherty, a, a guy that had never dro- driven in anything. He's from Sanford. Um area and is built he's building mike doherty incidentally is building a car to take the daytona for the parade cool. it is a cotton owens uh tribute car 38 dodge number 70 and and mike's car is a is a rat rod version of that it's, it's got a it's a 38 dodge coupe with a hemi and she's very ratified on the outside it's a, it's the old 33 car isn't it no he's got no, I'm talking about the one he the races. The one that he races is, yeah. but the one that he's taking to Daytona is this old Dodge. Yeah. Uh, and then in the uh, in the six-cylinder class, getting back to Bell and Bell, Sherman Garris, longtime veteran campaigner, uh, won. But Kyle Bell won uh, several races too this year. He's coming on pretty strong in the in the Bell and Bell pink car. And in our senior class, this was a this was a feel-good story. Um, an old-time racer from the 60s and 70s whose name was Carl Smith from the Fayetteville area somehow learned about us about a year ago. That must be him calling. Must be. And um, he won, He Carl Smith won the uh, the senior division. Cool. Uh, I, I can remember back in the early days when me and Jim used to talk about possibilities and one of them was that what about if old timers come back and 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 race with us and so on and this was a that actually happened I, re, I remember Carl Smith racing um, well, way now, back now that younger. he's done that you may have some more as we go through the well we had 2018 uh, was it at Fayetteville that we had a a, a retired Grand National driver yeah, David Boggs, us. you remember yeah. that name yeah. from he yeah. he drove a race with us a time or two, um, and we've got a, a competitor, uh, Randy Smith, who won the senior class at at Lakeview. He, he was second cousins with Glenn and J D McDuffie, yeah. so um, we got some old timey connections here and there. Sounds like the future looks bright for the Bell and Bell Vintage Modified Series. Well, it, it turns out we're, we're, the series is outlasting the tracks. Um, <laughs> if you know, if depending on how all that goes, you know, it's. It, but I, it's it's looking better now than guardedly than, optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> yep, guardedly optimistic. Um, I, I I don't know. Um, you know. All of the tracks, we, we don't just don't know how everything's going to shake out right now. So. Don't know how how good our sponsorship will be. Don't know how good the tracks we race on will be, or whether they'll be in operation. Yeah. But it seems like we've got a a, a, a really solid base of, of racers that are that are interested in what we're doing. For That's the most part, they're they're interested in vintage modified racing as as we present it. 
and that I, I don't get no better than that as far as I'm concerned. Are Are there any members of the group thinking about uh, going to Daytona this year for the vintage parade and on the beach? Um, there could be some. Yeah, good. There could be some. There's there there are people that are that are uh, in the early stages of planning to go. Uh, it it happens every year. Oh, yeah. There there's a lot of them that say, well, yeah, that's go- that's great, especially the 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 day of last year's parade. But uh, yeah, there's several of them that are that are talking. About it, uh, uh, part of the Sanford group said, "Man, I just love to go, but that's my busiest time of the year. Mm. So you know, you, you have to have to sort of take all that with a grain of salt. But the, but the, I've heard enough people talking about it, and, and well, that's and, always a great time. Yep. to go down there. Well, it's a it's it's a fun time. You get to see people that you haven't seen for for a whole year. You get to see race cars that you you won't see anywhere else in the country." This is what um, what Mike says. He's he's almost ready to go to Daytona with. Uh, cool. So um, when I have seen bits and pieces of Dark and started promoting the parade, uh, I know it's sometime in February and yeah, um, yeah. Um, usually around Valentine's it, Day. It'll be the week before the Daytona Five Hundred. Yeah. Uh, it'll yeah. Be the week of the whatever they call it race. Cup race they have the championship, yeah, it's the, whatever they what have. used to be the Bush uh, Clash. Yeah, was, whatever they're calling it. Yeah. And the Arca race is that same night. Yeah. But, uh, so um, I, I can't plan that far in advance, but I would like to go. I'm planning on going again. So. Um, it's fun. I wonder if the Roach Motel's still there. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, I, for one, won't be staying there. <laughs> the ro- roaches are probably six inches yeah, bigger they, now. Yeah, they probably. No, they were remodeling the RM the last time we was. <laughs> you, st- you, you stay with us, Jack? Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. One one year, yeah. Yeah, you. He stayed in, in y'all's room the first night. Yeah. He stayed in our room yep, the second yep. night. And we were complaining about how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. And Jack told us what a great room we had yeah. compared to what, what he was what in the night Bobby before. And Bill had, exactly. <laughs> and then the judge was out looking for a hairdryer the next morning, and I was concerned about whether or not the building was going to stand up. <laughs> the, the, the concrete piers that it was built on had big hunks that had fallen out of them. It was under renovation. Yeah. Uh, it needed more than renovation on that side we were on. It needed bulldozing and starting over again. Uh, it was ocean front though. Yeah. <laughs> she'd have, she'd have been something down. in the sixties. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of the sixties, uh the streamline is open back up on in Daytona. I've seen I bits and pieces that it was of that. going to that's gonna be on my bucket list to check that out this year stay there well and i tell you one, here, of, one of the there. places we stayed was not far from the streamline right. and it, it might have been the because i i walked down almost close enough to the streamline yeah it was only like at. a block or two yeah. away was i didn't realize the, it was that close was that the last or the year before i, I can't I remember. remember but one one of those times we was real yeah. close to the streamline right uh, because I, I made the you know the trip down to look at it so uh, for historical purposes, it pretty much looks the same. They've yeah. tried to keep it. Um, um, what was the name of the the lounge on the top floor, the Starlight Lounge, yeah. or where the what famous is. meetings took place? Yep. Something like that. So. That sure enough was was in the what we look upon now as the heyday of, of, of NASCAR racing. 
<laughs> that was prior to the heyday. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the, the tip of the spear. Yeah. Yep, the heyday started there. Yep. They, I don't think Big Bill or any of them had any idea what they were really creating when they did that. No, I'm sure they did. How, how could you possibly think of what the what it would become in the 70s, 80s, 90s? They were just promoting a circus. Yep. That yep. was about what it boiled down. That's to. about what it boiled down to. Yeah. And and Big Bill had the had the the presence of mind to realize that you can't rule it by consensus. It has to be uh, <laughs> a, a totalitarian. I'm the boss. The buck stops here. There yep. is no appeal beyond me. Yeah. But, oh yeah, the, there's blank pages in the book where I can write the rules as I go. Got to have some kind of structure. Even but but the, 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 the as it turns out though, he was capable of doing the job. He wasn't a you know a, right. a, a wacko um, totalitarian. He knew what he was doing. He knew yeah. what he was doing, or at least he made us all think he did. Um, so it, in, in that case, it worked because yeah. he was he was qualified to do it. Um, so anyway, it is what it is, and it did work. Um, it was a great ride. While it's while it has lasted, we can only just hang on to the to the edge of it and see what where it goes from here. Yeah, not not a whole lot of racing coming up in the in the next few weeks. No, unfortunately. The PRI shows the big thing yeah. on the 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 dirt world. The dirt super late one has really been a buzz in the off season. I mean, there's all kind of things. It's got its own silly season going on. And one of the most interesting things, I don't know if you guys remember the name Bobby Pierce, was a kid that almost won the NASCAR truck race at Eldora a couple of times. Bobby Pierce. Anyway, um, there's a major um, dirt late model team that operates out of Dunn, North Carolina, the Dunn-Benson. Earl Pearson Jr. usually drives it. It's sponsored by Lucas Oil. Anyway, long story short, Earl Pearson left that team just recently, took Lucas' sponsorship with him. But the Dunn-Benson team has hired Bobby Pierce to replace Earl. He's moving. He lived in Illinois. He's moving to to Dunn. And and their primary sponsor, the new team's primary sponsor, is Campbell University. (laughs) Campbell University, which is a (laughs) Baptist-affiliated um, University in, in, in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, which is in the greater federal uh, area. But, I mean, how do you get a university to sponsor a dirt lake? I mean, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. Whoever done that. Yeah. Um, how did, how must be, how must be a Robert Smalley there somewhere. Talk about a good salesman. <laughs> yeah. Or a butt shot. But guy. let's hope that it works. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. Um, well, there have been cars over the years that have been sponsored by higher uh, venues of higher learning oh, yeah. uh but uh yeah this will be interesting this to is see. this is very novel and he's uh he hasn't they haven't announced which series he'll either be running the lucas tour or the world of outlaws uh and and then the big events all of them but uh he's going to be running a national series with Campbell University as the primary sponsor. I've never heard of Campbell. All right, yeah. fellas, it's that time. Oh, man, it's gone already. Already? Got to get on out of here.
folks, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Appreciate all you guys. As always, we want to say a special thanks to men and women who serve our military. Thank you for what you do so that we can do this. Each and every one of you, good night. God bless. What?